0: While we are together again, isn't it amazing how time seems to be flying? It seems to be actually flying to the very moment when we're going to see each other again. Uh, We don't take this for granted, um, coming this way to you. Uh, We thank God for technology. We thank God for social media. We thank God for this very manner in which we are coming to you. But nothing can take the place of physical face-to-face contact we thank god that there is uh he's he's speeding the time for you and i to meet together and so that we can be together in this very place that we we uh, congregate and meet together paul writes in uh, a letter to to the romans he says the following he says i long to see you this is written in the backdrop of Um, the historical backdrop that Paul had never seen the people in Rome but he had a longing and the very thing that made him long to see those very people was a person called Jesus Christ and that longing that he had is the very same longing that I have and I believe you also have that we are going to see each other along in that goes beyond uh, geography, um, the uh, virtual uh, technology, um, it goes beyond the social side, but it's it's through that person called Jesus Christ. At this moment I'd like to welcome our friends who are knitted to us uh, in Vic Falls, in the Czech Republic and across the world. These are friends that are knitted to us through Jesus Christ and, and uh, the things that Christ is doing in this place. And uh, at this moment, as King City, I'll invite you to do two things. The first thing that I'll invite you is to remember Christ. And it is a simple way in which we're going to remember Christ through communion. As we share communion with friends, as we share communion with, with family, I cannot go into depth about household, family, communion. You can actually read about that in, as the, uh, in Exodus as God released the Israelites from Egypt. There was power. That is a symbolism of, of communion, of what God did for his children. Second thing I'll, I'll invite you to do is celebrate. Celebrate the women, the mothers in our lives. Celebrate those who have raised us to be the same or the the individuals that we are right now. Who have taken time to raise us up. I will I will ask you to do five things. Write down five things that that you you consider is uh, special about your mother. If your mom is has gone on to be with the Lord and has passed on. I invite you just to to thank God for those five things. Thank him for what he has, the memories and the moments that you had with your mother. Before Vesey comes up to share the word of God, let me pray. And then we are going to go into a moment of worship. Um, Father, I give you thanks and praise. Thank you, Father God, that you are a good father. And that, Lord God, in this... In these moments where we seem to be isolated, I thank you that you are a very present help. You are very very present in every situation that we are in. Thank you, Father God, that, Lord God, you are speeding the time for us to meet again. But beyond that, Lord God, our hearts are knitted in love in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: In my wrestling and in my doubts In my failures you won't walk out Your great love will lead me through You are the peace in my troubled sea Whoa, You are the peace in my troubled sea In the silence you won't let go in the questions your truth will hold your great love will lead me through you are the peace in my troubled sea whoa you are the peace in my troubled sea my
2: lighthouse my to show
3: just in the song that we were listening to and and just enjoy it at a time of worship there's these specific words that says in my wrestling and in my doubts in my failures you won't walk out because of his great love and this morning this afternoon this evening as you watch this let's celebrate this great love of God it's great to be together and it's a joy to share with you this word um, that I want to encourage you with so God bless you all Let's dive into our time in in the Word. I want to ask you a simple question. I don't know how many of you have ever gone through this um, experience where you're looking for a specific item that you've lost, and you're searching everywhere in the house or in the car or whatever it may be, in bags, and as you go through this journey of trying to find a specific item, you find others that you had forgotten about, that you actually were also looking for. And so in the search of this one, you come to find so many other things. And, and in a sense, that's where I find myself today. In terms of our journey of going through this room that we've been speaking about from Second Kings uh, chapter 4, we talking about. We were talking about the room that consists of the bed, the table, the chair, and the lamp. And as I've been just discovering things about that, I started just zooming out a little bit more and found that there's something about this person called Elisha that we need to just stop for a moment and consider. And so this whole journey into the bed, the table, the chair, and the lamp we'll carry on with. But I'd like to actually share with you, and the title of this message today is Lessons from Elisha. And and actually those lessons are helpful for us to to look at because they actually motivate us towards the room. There's something about his life that I think can only come about as we spend time in the presence of God and and find regular moments with Jesus. And so this time we're going to be talking about this man, Elisha, and just two things. That we're going to be sharing about. So if you would be so kind, scroll in your phone, go in your Bible to um, a chapter, just a couple of ones before where we've been reading from in Second Kings. And this will be in First Kings in chapter 19 where we are actually introduced to Elisha. We don't have time to introduce to you Elijah that was before Elisha. Um, Two different characters, very different, but quite amazing. But anyway, so we are introduced to Elisha here on the back of the ministry of Elijah. Both prophets that God called to speak to Israel, to direct them, to talk to them about their their idol worship and redirect them towards God. And Elijah had done that, and he's coming to the end of his life. And and in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, we read the following about Elisha being introduced. And so it's from verse 15 that I would actually like to read to you from. And the Lord's now speaking to Elijah. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. So obviously it's kind of like God's telling me, you know, somebody's going to follow up and, and my time's coming to an end. And then he carries on, and he just talks to him about how this will happen, and, and then in verse 19, as we just jump there, it says the following. So he, this is now Elijah, departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing. Let's just remember that word, plowing. Why don't you just say it with me, plowing, uh-huh, plowing, <laughs> all right? And so he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen, he being Elisha, and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And so um, later on we see that he, went back, and, he, and we'll read a little bit about that later on. But this is what I'd like to just mention to you tonight, just two things, just very simple, very basic things, but actually incredibly powerful things that should actually motivate us to spend time with God and find ourselves in His presence, because these are the things that make us stand out. And the first one, very basic, that I want to tell you, a lesson from Elijah, is that Elisha was faithful. We see here, that as we introduced to this man called Elisha, he was called from a place of being responsible and faithful to what was expected of him. Where did he find himself? What was he busy doing? We, sent, we, met, uh, we mentioned that word early on, the word plowing. <laughs> so we find Elisha busy in the fields, and he's, and he's just doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's not sitting around idle, doing nothing, he's just waiting for better days. Waiting for, hopefully one day there will be this man of God that will arrive and, and call me. No, he was busy, what? Plowing. <laughs> and he was faithful in what was given for him to do. And out of that faithfulness, the next came. It's very similar almost throughout the Bible. We find David shepherding. He's busy with the sheep. <laughs> and God calls him out of that to be a king. We find a man called Gideon. He was busy threshing wheat, just working, doing normal stuff, being faithful to that. God calls him out of that. We find the disciples of Jesus, (laughs) many of them just casting the net and and busy fishing. And Jesus comes and he calls him out of that. He says, no longer will you fish for the physical fish. You will fish for men. (laughs) And so we find Matthew. Busy receiving taxes. Busy being faithful and responsible in what God had called him. And so the point is this. They were faithful with what they were given by God to do. And out of that, the next arose. So the question I'd like to ask you this day is, what is currently in your hand, in my hand? Are we busy plowing? Are we busy cashing fish? Are we busy collecting tax? <laughs> Are we busy... Um, just whatever it is that God has called you to do, how faithful are you and I in that? We've got to be found faithful with what God has currently put in our hands. Not so that we can just be you know, promoted to something better, but because we want to honor the Lord our Jesus in everything we do. Paul writes that. And he says, whatever we do, even eating or drinking, let's be found faithful. And let's do it unto as unto the Lord. So the three things I just want to mention about, about this man, Elisha's faithfulness, is this. Um, his current state of affairs is so impor- important because he was faithful in what he was called to do at that time. And the question I'm throwing out or the point I'm trying to make out of this is, whether we have full-time employment or not at the moment, this could be the very place that God is testing us from our faithfulness to Him. You know what? We we've got to encourage each other towards this room and what spending time with the, with the Lord in that. But in those moments, I want to dare to say, if we do not come out more faithful to God with what we have currently been put in our hands, then I'm questioning whether God is really allowed to be the Lord of our lives, even in the room. We've got to be found faithful, friends. We've got to serve in the way that we are supposed to serve in whatever capacity that may be. In family, as children, as parents, as husbands, as wives, we've got to serve in such a way that God will be honored in that. We've got to be found faithful with whatever is put in our hands. Be faithful with simple things. If it's required of you at work, wherever it may be, to be on time, be on time. It's faithfulness. That's being responsible. If, if you've got to look after things on behalf of somebody else, whatever they may be, whether it's a vehicle, whether it's a pen, be found faithful with that. If God is currently put in your hands as a student, now this is a big one, to study, to read, to um, do your work, particularly now when we're not able to go to school and some of you have the privilege to do it online, others may not. You get work through various ways. I want to encourage you to be faithful with that. Let the time that you spend with God and in his word rise up or raise up something within you that says I want to be more faithful with what God has given me to do. The way you talk about your work, the way you talk about your company, the way you talk about your business, be faithful with that as unto the Lord. Many of you have been incredibly faithful in various areas, so well done. Well done. I want to commend you for that. Keep on being faithful. The second thing I want to say about this faithfulness of Elisha is that in our current place of operation that could be the place that we are being tested to see whether we would be moved on or something more could be added to our lives. And so as as much as we possibly may be despising our current place of responsibility, that is possibly the place that God is testing us to see whether we could be faithful with that in order for us to possibly be given more. Now, if we're not faithful, if we do not enjoy and dislike it to such an extent that we actually have a terrible attitude about it, then God cannot add more. Don't look for more if what you have in your hands are being dropped. (laughs) Be faithful with that. Don't look for more if you despise what currently is in your hands. Say, God, I, I don't really particularly enjoy this, but you've called me to be faithful with this. Be faithful with what is in your hand. The third thing I want to say is our contentment in God and satisfaction in serving Him should never be dependent upon the possibility of being moved or transferred or promoted. So whatever you currently are given to be faithful with and responsible for, Do not look for a contentment beyond that and say, I'll only be fully satisfied if I reach this place and if I'm given those responsibilities, if I move to this city or or stay in this particular place. God says, if you're faithful with where you are, my son, my daughter, I can trust you with more. Your promotion in a sense comes from faithfulness and contentment, finding satisfaction in where you are right now. And I dare to say, that the satisfaction in what god gives us right now is found in his presence that i'm firstly satisfied with jesus i'm firstly satisfied in my walk with god and not firstly my walk with people if only i can find better people to work with this funny thing is that that often i've been involved in church life for many, many years, and and I've seen it, that often people, they just want to be employed by the church. That's the ultimate place to find um, employment at. And so they dream of of coming to work for the church, where you just kind of read verses the whole day, I think they dream about, and you just worship from morning till lunchtime, and then it's just beautiful. Everybody's just in love with one another, and there's this great attitudes flowing around until they walk into the real world where people have differences and we sometimes have conflict (laughs) and they're like oh this ultimate dream I had about this ultimate job is kind of just being shattered because even in church environment things can go wrong because we're human beings (laughs) and so don't look for contentment here on earth in a in a worldly environment even with people find it firstly in Jesus that's why we've got to find time in the room where we walk out of that room and we say, God, whatever you give to me to do, I'll be responsible with that because I want to do it unto you. And my my satisfaction, my contentment is firstly with you. I can plough like Elijah did, as though I have to plough for the rest of my life, because I'm doing it for you. Hey, all about this. Elisha was not looking to leave. He was not like you know, sending his CV out. saying, like, I'm a brilliant plowman. Can somebody please employ me? He was content to stay. He was content with where he was. The call to move came unexpected. The call sought him, listen to that, because he was faithful in what he had in his hands. He did not seek the call. And through that, Ignore his daily responsibilities. He's not constantly looking, oh, the ultimate thing would be to be Elijah's assistant. I'm so frustrated and ploughing. No, he found contentment and satisfaction, whatever God gave him to do. And out of that the call came. And we've often said this that God calls the faithful and the available, not necessarily the most qualified. And hence this well-known um, sentence that we often quote that says God qualifies the called and not calling the qualified. And so there's massive lessons in that for us that God says, I'm, I'm looking out for those that are available because I will qualify them when I call them. I'm not looking for the qualified and then, oh, that one, you know, he would work and he would be the right one. The second thing, we've just spoken about Elijah being incredibly faithful. Second thing I want to mention from the same portion is that Elijah, Elisha lived a sacrificial life. And we can so easily stop or miss these things. And as I said in the beginning when I used the, the example of how we look for one thing and we actually found so many others. And this is what I found is that I looked for just this whole thing of this beauty of the room. I found so much more about Elisha that I'd like to share and continue to share with you today. And this is a thing that he was incredibly sacrificial. Now, that's a very difficult word sometimes to understand because in our English language, it's not often used. You actually go into the dictionaries, and they don't have too much to say about it. They can go to sacrifice, and then they link it to the actual religious exercise of sacrifices and that. But the whole point of living a sacrificial life as humans is, is not particularly mentioned. I want to say that the, the definition for me in terms of such a kind of life is this. The mark of such a sacrificial life is an eager willingness to give up comfort and privilege when that will help someone else. And so here is where Elisha comes in. We find that here in Second in Kings chapter 19, when Elijah passes by and he throws his cloak, which Elisha understood as there's something of a mantle and a responsibility that's passed on to Elisha, Elisha says the following to him. It says um, in verse 20, and he left the oxen, These guys, these animals that he used now to plow. And um, he ran after Elijah and said to him, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And Elijah said to him, Go back again for what I have done to you. Actual fact, Elijah was really saying, Do you realize what is coming your way? And so in verse 21, listen to this. Elisha returns from following him, Elijah. And took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. There's a lot of things that we've got to unpack in here that I need you just to bear with me. The first thing I want you to um, kind of pick up from the sacrificial lifestyle of Elisha is that he came from a prominent family and had the prospect of inheriting considerable material wealth. You go and study a little bit about this situation, you see here that he known as the son of Shaphat, which really means judge. So his, daughter, his, his father was a well-known figure, most probably in that region. And, and Elisha had the responsibility of, um, of doing this particular work, but he, had, he, he was from an incredibly wealthy family. And so when Elijah comes and, and calls him, Elisha knows that there's something that I'm going to have to give up. We see here that he had servants and much cattle, many cattle. He must have lived a quiet, pleasant country lifestyle. And it all seemed to be fine until this mantle landed on him. And he said, it's fine. Even though there's this promise of wealth in the future, you know what? What is important for my God becomes important for me. Things that we can only settle in the presence of God. The second thing that we find here is that he seemingly had a very good relationship with his family, making it difficult for him to leave. It wasn't like, oh man, my dad and I, my mom and I, my family and I, we're just not seeing eye to eye. No, he says to Elijah, I actually want to go back and just say goodbye because I, I, I value them and I want to honor them. He first wanted to go and kiss and, and say goodbye because there's an honor aspect in, in his life because he had close relationships with his family. The thing here that's incredible is that he wanted to go and kiss and say goodbye. And many of us have kissed and said goodbye to an old lifestyle. I trust that you've not regretted that. Many of us are still refusing to kiss and leave. Now time with God is is the way to kiss him and turn and in turn, leave the past. So there's, a, there's two aspects here. We've got to kind of say goodbye to this past, and we've got to cleave onto that. And isn't it true that unless we leave, we cannot cleave? I often talk about that in marriage context, that unless you leave and then not despise and turn your back on your family, but unless you leave them and cleave to your wife and your husband, there's not going to be an actual cleaving taking place because you're still part of this. That's another lesson, another thing to talk about another day. But God calls us. And here Elisha is prepared to say, what God calls me to, I want to actually kiss that. I want to connect myself to that. But at the same time, I want to honor this. And there's family involved and he kisses. I do think that sometimes our kissing of our old lifestyle is still too strong. That we are still kissing the world We still want to be connected here, yet at the same time, God calls us to a life of of holiness and of, 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 of obedience and of passion towards Him, but we still have a lot of passions here. And my friend, wherever you are in this whole incredible balance, please let it be outbalanced by your love for God. Pursue Him. How do we do that? We start, we start um, starving this side so that we can feed this side. And isn't time with God one of the best things we can do? So I, I want to stop. There's a time when I've got to kiss and say goodbye. But there's a time that comes where I've got to cleave unto what God calls me to. The third thing that we find about the sacrificial lifestyle that, that we see Elisha is very prepared to live. It says that he was leaving the position of a foreman over at least seven, or sorry, seven, eleven 11 servants to assume a position of servitude. So here he comes. He's been kind of like in charge, being put in charge by his father, most probably, of other servants, because they were, it says here, 12 yokes of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. So there were other 11 yoke of oxen being used to plow. And so he had a major responsibility, and he's prepared to leave status and significance to go and serve. It says here in verse um, 21, the latter part of it, the last sentence, it says, then he rose and went after Elijah and assisted him. How's that? He was assisted by others, and now in turn, he turns his whole life around to go and assist somebody else. Now, there's an incredible testimony about this man, Elisha, that we read about in 2 Kings 3.11. And you can read it at your own time. But when there's mention made about Elisha being the prophet that's now on the scene, the, the reference to him is this sentence. Listen carefully. It says, Elisha is the one who poured water on the hands of Elijah. That was his reputation. He was known as the man who poured water on the hands of Elijah. It's incredible. He leaves a place of significant status, material wealth all around him, where others are serving him. And he says, I would be willing, because of my king's call on my life, God's call on my life, I'll be willing to go and serve others. We're going to ask, are we happy to do that for others? Are we happy to leave whatever it is, even for a moment and say, in my position of being director or manager, whatever it may be, are you willing to go and serve others, my friend? Again, time with God changes this, this image that we have of ourselves to lay down everything and say, I'll go serve him. Can we give up anything for the sake of our king? What could be pouring water on somebody else's hand in your context? Are there people that even right now you're thinking of and could identify that God may be calling you to go and pour water on their hands? And you know it's not a physical thing. It's a serving thing. It's a being willing to lay down your life for them and, and serve them in that way. Who are the people around you whose hands and feet you may be called to wash, to serve? Again, coming back to the room. In the room, that's where God deals with attitudes and and images and, and, and the wrong identity. That my identity is found in my position and my significance is found in what I do. In the room, Jesus speaks to us and he says, I've called you to do what I've come to do. I did not come to be served, I came to serve. I want to encourage you towards a similar life. Last one, I want to mention that in fourthly, fourth we see that he was breaking. Elisha was breaking with a secure and peaceful life. He was working with his dad. I mean, it was very secure, very peaceful for one of danger and physical hardship. We see that took place. Being a prophet at that time, at that time in the history of Israel, was not a was not a very popular position. Now these guys were not liked by the nation of israel often because they would come and be the only ones that would reprimand them and say ah can't be like that you have got to stop with that unrighteousness god calls us to a holy life and they've got to be a voice and address issues and it's like people yeah that's great elijah we love that we love that more more no never they were killed incredible hardship that would follow Elisha was prepared to sacrifice all of what he had To go and be what god wanted him to be it's amazing yeah that it he was even prepared he's oxen he killed slaughtered and he celebrated with the other servants it seemed he celebrated what awaited him it's like guys can you believe it i'm just paraphrasing Saying, God, can you believe it, that I've been called to go and, and assist Elijah? Come and celebrate with me. It wasn't a moment of remorse and, oh, great sadness. Kissed his family and said, thank you for what you've done for me. God is calling me into this. I've got to be faithful with that. Let's celebrate it. Let's not be tearful now. This is a great moment. And so, friends, whenever God calls us into whatever, you don't have to go to China to be Kind of feel like you're used by God. You won't be able to get there, by the way, at the moment. You gotta just go down the street, go to your neighbors, go to your family, and celebrate what God wants you to be for them, whatever the cost may be. Notice also the absence of Elijah commending Elisha for what he gave up. He's not like, wow, buddy. I didn't know that you were going to actually give up all these things. And well done. You're amazing. He doesn't mention anything of that. It's kind of like in our context, we would love to have just somebody say something about what we've just given up. Can you not recognize what I've given up? We would ask. Everything done, I want to say, for God and people, does not have to be appreciated here. Even when people do not notice what you so sacrificially give, my friend. Remember, God sees. That is what matters most. Every sacrifice for Jesus is noticed by him. For it is important that we don't work down here for man's recognition and approval, but for God. Matthew 6 verse 4. Praise from his presence is the most important praise you and I need. That's why we've got to find ourselves often in his presence. The praise or even the absence of it here on earth from people can become very distracting. So don't live, don't work for people's approval. Don't wait for the Elijahs around you to say, remarkable, Vessi, what you've just done. Elisha never got that, but he pursued. Keep on going without looking for man's approval. Remember, God sees it all, and that is what matters most. 2 Kings 3:11 when when they saw what Elisha did it became the reputation that they spoke of we don't work for that 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 um, recognition of man but whatever we do for God is recognized whether it, people see it or not our father in heaven sees it so i want to conclude this time together by encouraging us all That the world, these are basic things, eh? very basic things. Faithfulness and living sacrificially, unselfish, basic, basic things. But the world is in desperate need of this. Not just because we have this COVID issue around us. No, we've had that before, that the world is desperate for people that are faithful. That You give me your word, I'll know that I can trust you. Because your word, you stick to it. Because there's something in your heart and as we spend time in the presence of the lord he changes the way we think and there's a faithfulness that rises up and there's a sacrificial lifestyle that comes as a result may i encourage you be faithful be sacrificial make your way as often as possible to the room because it's in that environment that god establishes these things where we say god i don't i don't live for myself I want to live for my own, my own wealth, my own recognition. I want to live for you. I pray that God will help us all with that. Let's pray together. Jesus, I do want to thank you that we have these brilliant examples in Scripture, that they all over your word, and we love just reading your word and being inspired by it. I pray, Father, that as we just read through these few verses about Elisha, that that we will be inspired to be faithful and to live sacrificial. And Lord God, that in this time specifically where people are in need of, of just support and love, and I pray that you will find us faithful to be your agents, ambassadors of love. And through a sacrificial lifestyle that we will be that that we will not just look out for our own health, our own well-being, but that we will consider others to be more important than ourselves. Father, I pray that for King City Church and for friends and for all watching, that we will be able to tap into such a lifestyle, and that the lessons learned from Elisha will be stuff that will remain with us for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.